It is time again for Scaring is Sharing. A podcast where we share spooky news and frightful views with each other and you about all things horror. It's getting real good. <laughs> I like I like that. You're getting good at that. We are your scare boys. I am here today with one of my favorites, the original Sasquatch Slim, Jeremy Rusk. And I'm here with the Flaming Scream Queen, Brandy <laughs> Joe Planbeck. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god it's so fun being able to hang out with you always and you know lots of people probably start podcasts like having been lifelong friends already but jeremy and i like i wouldn't say we barely knew each other but kind of <laughs> yeah really yeah like i would say we did we knew each other what we knew enough about each other was that we both liked horror yeah <laughs> it's like what we yep. knew but we've learned a lot and we've become very good friends doing yeah. a podcast i think that happens too though i've heard stories about uh, you know people starting podcasts together that aren't necessarily super close friends but they become best friends because of doing the, their podcast together so and christian can correct me if i'm wrong but i'm pretty sure the boys over at it's only a podcast didn't meet for years and years like their podcast i think they've been going like seven years or something insane like that yeah so if you haven't checked them out they have a gigantor library of of wonderful treasures for you to put into your ears yes <laughs> but yes like i think that they didn't meet for many years so i think it started similarly like from a distance yep. from a distance they knew each other from the internet first and then yes. started the podcast and then met in person after yeah, that's years so of doing a show together i'm that's, like that's that's wild to me so wild yeah because i mean did you ever have experiences where you talked to someone online and hadn't met them before like in a chat room and then you met and it's weird like no matter how close and i guess in the gay community there was a lot of that like chatting online back mm -hmm. in the day but like you would think oh my god like this person like gel so well and then you meet and it is a different story altogether yeah um i had a lot of friends quote unquote friends uh from early in the internet days like on message boards uh, and, uh, uh, what is it? AIM, AOL instant messenger, oh, yeah. like meeting people from throughout the internet and becoming friends over that. But I don't think I ever met any of them. I think they just stayed online friends and kind of, you know, once I've moved, moved away from existing in those spheres, they just kind of disappeared. So, oh my God, I had so many, especially being like an explorative young gay boy like mm -hmm. that. I had so many people I talked to online and there was IRC internet re relay chat. I don't know if that's before your time. It probably is. I think just like, before. Yeah. Like in 97 is when it was like big yep. for me. Cause there were like, um, like channels for like gay places in gay states. So, or like in gay states, every state is gay, but um, like a gay Colorado channel. And okay. we would meet up like every other week to have like spaghetti dinners in Boulder, Colorado. But my first AOL instant messenger screen name was stage boy with an I at the end stage boy. Perfect. <laughs> Do you remember any of yours? I, what the fuck was mine? I can't even remember. <laughs> Somebody probably knows. One of my buddies probably remembers these because we all had ridiculous ones. What was mine? Oh, I, I think mine was um, 
Mine was uh, gin rummy something. Interesting. Yeah, that started, that was a childhood nickname that my cousin had started calling me just as a playoff of Jeremy. Okay. Um, And then that stuck for a long time. So I used that for a lot of internet handles in the early days. Well, everybody, if you're tuning in for the first time, Jeremy and I just talk about scary movies for a bit. Sometimes life. Sometimes life. Sometimes <laughs> the internet. And yep. then eventually we assign a movie to the person that they've not seen before. We take a little breather. We come back and we talk about them. And that's mm-hmm. what we do here. Okay. That is what we do. <laughs> now, Jeremy, we have a girthy message from Teacher Drew. A terrible. Oh, Okay. It, you know, I like the girth. So, Teacher Drew writes, Hey guys, I so appreciate that your podcast is weekly. Of course, it is always the highlight of my week. I've seen a lot of horror lately, so here goes. Terrifier 2. It was a fun Halloween romp. I like the first one more as the plot is a little stronger, but it was amazing to see the sequel in the theater. Barbarian. This has to be one of my favorites of the year. I love the twists and turns, the storytelling, and the cinematography. Smile. I agree with Brandy Joe. It was a disappointment. The concept had promise, but it was way too predictable and therefore not that interesting or scary. I literally knew all the twists in advance. Halloween ends. Sigh. Again, I am not in the mainstream. I understood what they were trying to do and actually liked the direction. Not only that, but I thought it was a satisfying end to the trilogy. The Watcher, Netflix series. I had such hope for this. It started strong, intriguing, and creepy, and veered off in odd, convoluted directions. I was not concerned for or sympathetic to any of the characters. In fact, every one of them ended up being highly unlikable, which was an odd choice for the series. The Midnight Club. I like everything Mike Flanagan does, and this is no different. It is atmospheric, heartwarming, creepy, and intriguing. I Saw the Devil. This came to my attention thanks to the 101 scariest horror movie moments of all time. What a sadistic, twisted roller coaster ride. Wow. This movie will haunt me for some time. Blood on Snow really is beautiful. <laughs> Lastly, Trick or Treat is being re released in theaters and I'm seeing it today. Not sure if I have seen it prior, but definitely not on the big screen. Thanks for listening. Till next time, stay happy, stay healthy, stay you. Teacher Drew and Phoenix. Thanks, teacher Drew. So many things. Uh, and I, I, I'm going to say, I don't know if I'm stepping out of my lane here, teacher Drew, but I saw your letterbox and he did like trick or treat. Oh, yeah. It's funny. I I asked Joe if he knew uh, or I told him that it was being re-released in theaters. And I was wondering if he'd seen it because I didn't think he had. And he's like, yeah, I did. And he's like, I think I watched it without you. So, oh rude no i'm just I, kidding <laughs> I, I like i like trick-or-treat a lot and it's uh it never did get a theatrical release so that's uh you know it was straight oh, so to video not a re-release it is a and like it's a, a first release. release first release for first time in theaters because it, wow. it went straight to video it was oh supposed God. to be a uh, theatrical uh because it had a whole history of the studio not really believing in it and then dumping it onto video because uh, okay i remember it came out when i was in college and it was one of those productions i was following like as it was being made because I was like, this movie's going to be so cool. It looks so cool. And then it took forever to come out. And then it, when it finally came out straight to DVD, but I saw it and I loved it and I've loved it ever since. Yeah. I feel like it does get better. The more times you watch it, like Absolutely. I, the first time I was like, that was fine. But the second time I watched, it, I was like, Oh, that's fucking good. And I've heard lots of people say that. I love that it's an anthology, but it's also interconnected. They aren't just stories. The whole thing is interconnected. It's like the story's all happening in this one town at the same time. And that's just a cool concept. Sam is so cute. 
Yes. Yes. I, Joe got me a t-shirt. I need to wear it this week that has like Sam popping out of like the pocket. Oh, cool. It's super duper cute. So I also yes. love that it's uh it's cult. It's fandom has like just increased over the years. Like truly go to, go to uh 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 Spirit Halloween and they have like a whole trick-or-treat section of costumes and stuff. Speaking and- of that movie fell out like a lead balloon or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> went down fell like out. a lead zeppelin <laughs> fell out yeah it uh it did uh not get good reviews no one's oh. talking about it it just plopped i was gonna say i didn't know it finally came out because a no one's ago no one's talking about it so yeah. wow yeah <laughs> um so on teacher drew's notes saw terrifier 2 loved it saw Bar- barbarian fucking loved it um i'm glad he's with me on smile because i don't love smile Mm-hmm. Um, it's fine. You know, like if, if it was on our show, it was, we did it on, it's only a podcast. If it was on our show, I'd probably give it three. So it wouldn't be like a total failure, maybe two and a half. Like, I, I don't know where yeah. I fall like in there though. Um, not, not super great. The watcher. I've not watched more than the one episode I talked about the midnight club. I finished last night because yeah. I gave that another whirl and I loved it, which is a surprise. The first episode I was sort of blah. Oh, I yeah. Back to it. And it, it moved me. I cried. I was so invested in the characters. I wouldn't say it's particularly scary, but it is, you know, I mean, there's ghosts and horror stories and things like that. So I really liked it. And Heather Langenkamp was very good. So, Russell, you're correct. I sh- I just don't think she's good at Nightmare on Elm Street 3. Okay. But that mm-hmm. maybe not isn't her fault. Maybe it's the writing. Maybe it's the direction. Could be. Yeah. And I saw The Devil is so fucking good. I've only seen it once. I want to watch it with my husband. I don't. I've never seen it. Oh, my God, Jeremy. I can't believe I didn't know that. Did you watch the clip on the one scariest movies? No, I haven't gotten there yet. Okay, I've slowed down. I pumped the brakes a little bit on 101 uh, because I know they're getting to a lot of stuff I've never seen. And I'm like, "Ah, I don't want them to ruin any more movies. I would think as they're getting up there, they should be getting the stuff you have seen. Every so often. Yeah, it keeps me in this weird mix, especially the higher they get. There's always like some random movie where I'm like, I've never seen that one. So, Uh, well, it is so fucking good. And um, yeah, so Teacher Drew watching all the stuff. I love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Um, if you want to write us, scaringasharing at gmail.com. Follow us on Insta, scaringasharing. Dive into those DMs. Yeah. So I've talked a little bit about what I've watched. Jeremy, what have you watched this week? Uh, last night I watched Everything, Everywhere, <gasps> All at Once. You did? Finally. Was it everything you dreamed it would be? I thought it was incredible. So yeah. everyone that kept recommending it to me, you guys were right. It was science fiction, but with deep like philosophical you know questions thoughts about life what is a life well spent what is the meaning of life um but with that but with action uh and this vein of incredible absurdist humor running through it where it's like it takes itself seriously but not too seriously which is exactly how i look at life so uh, and how was our gal jlc she was great. She was great. Um, Michelle Yeoh should have gotten an Oscar. I'm with everybody that like her her performance was incredible in there. Um, yeah, just I highly recommend it. It made me cry a little bit. Oh, my God. I was going to say is there heart, but I was like, of course, there has to be. There's a ton of heart. And it's yeah, it's very uh, it, it was it was just very lovely. 
So Jamie Lee Curtis, I know we sort of talked about the picture with her and Heather Langenkamp. I know where you're going. <laughs> the whole the story with Danielle Harris and Scout Taylor Compton. Yep. And they are so but her because she was like, I don't know who you are. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's one of those stories too, like the way it's framed by them, it sounds like they made it seem like she was some kind of like raging bitch that didn't want to talk to them, but who like knows? the Jojo Siwa story with um yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, with um Candace Cameron Burr. Like it, she probably was just tired. I mean, it sounded like she didn't really know who the fuck they were, or like, uh, you know, wasn't like, oh hey, Danielle Harris, oh, we're in the movie, then oh, you played Lori in the remakes. Like yep. that wasn't there, but yeah. But like I could get it. Like I you know, that would be a little heartbreaking. Yeah, it yeah, for sure. And it's like, yeah, guys, I I, I kind of get the feeling that Jamie Lee Curtis is not protective, but like she's aware of her Halloween movies that she's done. I don't sure. think she is like a fan of the series in general, like every yeah. single iteration. Like she knows the one she's involved with. So that's mm-hmm. that's about it. So I think yeah. that's the issue there. Yeah. Yep. Uh what else did you watch? Did you watch anything additional? Uh, of note that I want to talk about. Let's check Letterboxd. I love it. I just, I diary everything in Letterboxd. It's amazing. I love Letterboxd as well. Um, oh man. Yeah, I revisited, speaking of Halloween, how could I forget this? In the same night, I made it through H2O and Resurrection. The oh other my night, God. I watched both of them because I'm trying to get through the entire series. But now that I'm down to like the, you know, the, just the bottom of the barrel at this point, I'm like, I don't know if I am going to watch them all before Halloween time. Cause I wanted to try and just say that. Cause I don't think I've ever done that. Watch every single one uh, in time for Halloween. But H2O is so good, right? Is it still good? Uh, I think it holds up. Not like amazing, but like it's fun. Yeah, exactly. My my letterboxed review was I'm like, this is what happens when you mix Halloween with Scream. Totally. Uh, and just dump the late 90s all over it. Like, that's what that movie is. And it still holds up. It's pretty fun. Um, Resurrection is just, I think that is the worst one. Still. I think it still yeah. holds the crown. Like, it is... Uh, I, I forgot that Tyra Banks was in it somehow. And then Uh when she appeared, I was like, what the fuck is happening? And then to, uh, you know, to uh, borrow from uh, everything everywhere all at once. And it's multiple, it's multiverse. I'm like, I live in the universe in the multiverse where Tyra Banks was in the Halloween movie. (laughs) Why is that the timeline I have to live in? But here we are. Did you know David Bruckner was in talks to do a Friday the 13th for a while? Yes. Because he recently was like, yeah, I don't want to do that anymore because people have been asking him now that it's like his, back in the works. His was the one on the 80s it, one, right? Yes. Uh, set in the 80s. The entire script is available online. Like that's one where you can read the okay. whole script. Uh, and they talked about it in depth on Development Hell, the podcast. Yeah. And it sounded fucking incredible. Like it would have been the ultimate, I think, Jason movie. That sounds awesome. Where it was a fun throwback to the 80s, kind of making fun of the style of those movies. Uh, But it had zombie Jason, like unstoppable zombie. There's a a scene, a sequence towards the end that um, on Development Hell, they were like, I'm pretty sure this is what Halloween Kills was trying to do with Michael. 
towards the end, uh, but it sounds like it works better on paper here with Jason. Like it would have been a more uh, made more sense. So where he like essentially kills the whole town in, mm-hmm. in like a a spree of violence. So that would have been incredible. But and you know, I I I know I think we've talked about before, and I talked about with my husband like the lack of confidence in the Exorcist trilogy with David Gordon Green based on how Halloween is has yeah. been was. And I guess I have, uh, I was thinking about it and I feel like I have a little more hope for it because they're going into it, setting it up as a trilogy, which was not the case with Halloween. No. And the other thing I would say on that is The Exorcist has like one amazing movie. I wouldn't even say arguably. Like The Exorcist is classic. Yes. One amazing movie. Yes. The Exorcist 3, some people love it. I think it has some, I think it has the absolute greatest scare, uh, like jump scare of all time, but I don't love it. It's been a long time since I've seen it, but I don't think it's great. But like, I don't feel like as a franchise, it's something that is beloved with a through line of a particular character like Halloween and these other things. So I think that there's more hope for it to be successful than how I feel at least the Halloween trilogy was. Yeah. And speaking of the exorcist, I was convinced I've not actually watched the exorcist two, which I know is, you know, considered one of the worst sequels, one of the worst movies of all time, or at least one of the worst, uh, mainstream major studio movies ever made uh and i was watching like clips of it online and i was like no i have seen this it's just so underwhelming that like i forgot (laughs) that i watched it so i had seen it and i was like oh yeah it is incredibly boring and not all that engaging so yeah i've only uh, seen it once i remember locusts and that's all i remember that's like the climax yeah because locusts are like that's the the demon's physical manifestation is as a, like a swarm of locusts. That's how it travels. Okay. Which was a weird, it's got a lot of things that I'm like, these could have been cool concepts if they were in a good movie, but in the movie we got, it just all doesn't make a lot of sense and is yeah really underwhelming. So, um, but yeah, the fact that they know they're going into a trilogy, the, the, the setup sounds good. I mean, we're still stuck in the age of the requel where everything is like, pretend the other movies didn't happen. We're doing a direct sequel spinoff of the original movie again. Um, Because I guess the setup is that there's a father whose child is possessed and he has to go to Ellen Burstyn for advice. So Yeah, and like knowing it's a sequel, I mean, a a trilogy (laughs) and knowing that there hasn't been any talks of Linda Blair, I love the idea of her being in like the second or the third one. Like that she's not there from the beginning, but the plan all along is to get her in one of the later films and to have her come back for something larger. I love that idea and I hope that happens. I wonder if they'll use some of the the concept of the television series as well, where Mm -hmm. it was like the first season was one story and then the second season was another story that spinning off from like ideas and characters from the first season, but almost an anthology, but like not quite. I wonder if they'll go that direction. Yeah. Cause Leslie Odom jr. Is the dad. Yeah. And I'm, it'll be interesting to see if he is the through line, like if his story continues on or if like you're saying it is always something. Yeah. No, the, na- the natural concept, which has happened in the past movies too, would be the demon is the through line mm-hmm. actually. And that's like who you follow into different places. 
So. Did you watch any of the new episodes of Unsolved Mysteries? I didn't yet. I just I just saw it dropped like yesterday when I was like, oh, Unsolved Mysteries. I got to watch some of those. I see that there is a, a UFO one in there. So and from Michigan. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, I'm that's ex- a good one. Was it? OK, I got to yes. watch it. I really they did one in this revival. I think it was in the first batch of episodes they had a ufo mm-hmm. like an alien abduction story and that one and i thought that that one was like riveting so i can't wait to see this one yeah and that one didn't like all the people like disappear or yes something yeah. like that in it that was one like... yeah everybody they saw the ufo and then they all had missing time as they call it so they were yeah. they all believe they were taken by the the object the by the the craft so yeah i wasn't as taken with that i remember but this one i really was it was very very cool so plus having that sort of i mean it takes place on the west side of the state but still of course that's uh that's where they all are lake michigan is supposed to be a a focal point yeah hotbed of ufo activity waterbed and i've i've spent plenty of time (laughs) at lake michigan staring at the sky so So speaking of sequels and requels, mm-hmm. um, I'm sure you probably heard that Twister is supposed to be getting a remake called Twisters. Twisters! <laughs> Multiple tornadoes are coming. Oh my God, I loved Twister. I lo- And here's the lamest, meatiest thing about it, is that the thing I remember the most about it is that Lisa Loeb had a song called How or Why on the soundtrack. When I think of Twister, I think of a Lisa Loeb song. It's like, how much more gay can I be? How, how I don't gay even, can I be? I, I don't even remember that being part of it. So. Well, it was. Someone's in a shower or something, and that song is playing. Oh, okay. Yeah. Fucking lovely, Solo. But I think that they're talking about having Helen Hunt back, so that should be interesting. That should be cool, because unfortunately, Bill Paxton is no longer with us, so oh, he can't God, do I it. I loved him so and much. And he was great. And that's that's a shared movie. My wife loves Twister, so oh, for it's us. So so yeah, it's I mean, yeah, she loves experience. natural disasters. My yep, husband's she loves disaster movies, yeah. so yeah. And I'm like, and it's just like, it it's it's um uh parallel to horror it like sits like right next door to a horror movie so you know that works for me and there was if you recall the trailer was really big because they showed something that wasn't in the movie i think it's like a tire flying at the screen or yes. a cow or something yeah, or something. Yeah, something yeah something like that where everyone was like oh that scene was like huge in the trailer and then it wasn't in the movie it's all. not in the movie yep the trailer was yeah that was just a fun movie Oh, it was just so fun. It looked so real. And I just, yeah, you just hope that they don't fuck it up now with CGI. Everything I know about tornadoes is from that movie. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah. going to be fun. And then yeah. the Fatal Attraction um, series that's coming, which is like a remake of the movie with Lizzie Kaplan and Jonathan Jackson, and Joshua Jackson, sorry, mm-hmm. from Dawson's Creek and Amanda Peet. And um, D. Wallace just signed on. <gasps> D. Wallace. D. Wallace Stone. What is she now? Is she the Stone or is she not the Stone? I think she's just D. Wallace. D. Wallace. Yeah. Yeah, I think she has signed on, and of course, awesome. We all fucking love her. Yeah, she's my movie mom. Oh yeah. Like that's that's how I feel because she's played so many like moms in movies oh, yeah. I've loved that I'm like she's like my screen mom. Yeah, she is beloved. And she's awesome. Howling, the original, the Howling. Yep. Boom. Yep. Perfect. I love her. Yep. Um, what other news do you have, or what did you watch anything else besides a couple mm. Halloweens? No, I wanted to bring up though. Uh, Halloween ends. The novelization came out. Yes, yes. And I'm reading that people are like raving and saying it's virtually the same story as the movie, but better yes. as a novel. So I like I want to get it and read it because they say there's like whole Michael apparently has an entire like character arc in it. Like there's a ton of scenes. 
extra scenes of Michael and what he was up to, like explaining, you know, where he went between 2018. And then, then um, there's more characters that flesh out a lot more of the town. It's I think the there's sort some of, with th the thorn, right? There's references to the cult of thorn done in like a clever way. Like I read into like how that worked and it was, uh, I think it's handled clever in a clever way in the story. So, um, and apparently the writer of the novelization was one of the guys that worked on the screenplay though. I'm like, he must've been the one that they didn't go with any of his contributions. Cause <laughs> if, uh, uh, if they cut all that stuff or if that's like originally from the script, it's like, I don't know from what I read online. I'm like, why didn't they just make like a three hour fucking movie? I think people would have been fine with that. Had the story been, you know, complete or felt complete. Uh, and in what was supposed to be the epic conclusion to Michael Myers, it's like, why didn't you go for broke? Like art, the clown just did it with terrifier too. You could have done a two and a half hour movie. Oh, yeah. if, it, if it gave us, you know, uh-huh because it sounds like the novel has all the great michael stuff in it and the movie had him as a supporting character in his own movie so the um novelization of the of halloween 2018 oh. the audiobook is read by someone i know who lives really? in, here in michigan williamson michigan she's an actress emily sutton smith wow first audiobook i ever listened to in michigan like i sort of got on a kick listening to audiobooks to and fro work uh -huh. and she um had done a bunch of john saul books like a whole oh. of them and i'd always wanted to read comes the blind fury so i listened to that and her and then um yeah i remember seeing halloween came out with the novelization and i was like holy shit it's emily sutton fucking smith and you know who does halloween kills is who? um bronson i don't know how to say his last name from perfect strangers oh Pinchot. oh yes it's halloween kills isn't that wow. bizarre that is bizarre and then i, I heard the halloween so ends is done she's a uh, jamie lee curtis like sound alike oh is she yeah linda jones i'm just looking it up right now i don't know who she is but... yeah that's what i read online somebody said she's a jamie lee curtis like sound alike impersonator so interesting okay yep. so that'd wow. be cool yep i heard I... kills like the novelizations of all of these i heard were pretty good as far yeah. as like movie tie-in novelizations because that seems to have like fallen out of style but now we're like living in an era where those are starting to come back and some of them are pretty decent so and David Gordon Green was also saying like he was going to include like a stronger reference to like Shamrock, like yeah. Halloween three, and he did not. But he was like, but I did pay homage to it in the credits, which I didn't realize watching it. But when you compare them side by side, it's like the same font and style yeah, same and font and everything. Yeah. Yep. So that was uh, now that I've seen that, I'm like, oh, holy crap. Yep. There you go. That's how yeah. they're, they're saying. But yeah, it it feels like. There could have been a stronger movie had they done some more. Like what we got feels like was what was left over. Like it feels like a movie that was supposed to contain a lot more plot that they cut and then mm -hmm. just focused in on one plot line that didn't necessarily work without, uh, you know, yeah, the character arcs and the buildup. Yeah, a some few people. I see some loved it. Yeah, exactly. But mostly not. Mostly not. This one's proving to be very divisive. It sure is. To the point where I'm seeing chatter online. People are reevaluating Rob Zombie and fighting about that, what he did. And, Ugh, yeah. Uh, and even, you know, the um, uh, the Cult of Thorn movies. Like, it's it's getting 
it's getting crazy out there for a Halloween fan. <laughs> and people can love and hate whatever they want. Like, it's mm-hmm. fine. Like, I don't like people telling someone that they're wrong or whatever. I can look at someone and be like, wow, you did like that? But, like, I wouldn't say it to them. Like, how could you like that? Like, it's like, just fuck off. Like, let people feel what they want to yeah, feel. Yeah, exactly. It might be wrong, but let them feel it. No, yeah, yeah, you can like what you like. <laughs> uh, speaking of audiobooks, I started a new one called Best Movie Ever. How 1999 <gasps> blew up the big screen. I've always wanted to read that. Oh, I've seen it. I'm listening to it, and it's so fucking good. Yeah. Like, the first chapter is sort of just all about, like, the buildup of, like, everything that happened that year. And then the the first official chapter, because it just there's chapters based on books or, like, sort of overarching themes. Mm-hmm. And the first chapter is on Blair Witch, which was super fun. And then I know that there's a chapter on The Sixth Sense as well, so I'm excited to get to that. But one yep. thing I learned yesterday is they were talking about She's All That. And M. Night Shyamalan was brought in to punch up the script. Isn't oh, that weird. I think I knew that at one point. He was a script doctor before his career really this took off. So weird. Yeah, because <laughs> that's that's crazy. Yeah, he punched. He did punch up. Um, what else? He also uh, I know he wrote Stuart Little. The oh, uh, weird the kids yeah. movie. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. So he, he was like a he was like a, a writer you know, a hired gun writer for a while in Hollywood. And then the sixth sense happened and changed everything for him. So bizarre. So how bizarre. How bizarre. The nineties. One of, one of those two, like, I don't think he had ever directed anything either before the sixth sense. It was just one of those uh, power moves that worked off where you're or worked out where you're like, I wrote this awesome script, but if you want to make it, I have to direct it. Like, cause that used to be something that, could happen you you used to be able to make deals like that i don't think it happens as much anymore but um yeah interesting and i know the matrix came out that year yep i just listened to the chapter on that and um the chapter on office space which i've still not seen to this day it made me want to see it so yeah i've got to rewatch that i feel like that is a movie that if you ever worked in a corporate office at it could be i feel like it's different now i feel like that movie only appeals up to a certain like my generation i think is the cutoff where office space probably won't appeal to people younger than me um but yeah having worked in that environment it still resonates with me a lot yeah they talk about how beavis and butthead do america they talk a little bit about that and it cost 10 million dollars to make i'm like it is a cartoon and the animation's not even that great. Like, I, and I've not seen it. I know, I know people say it's very good, but yeah. still, I'm just shocked that it would cost $10 million. Yep. It's funny That's as crazy, funny as hell. Yet another movie where I feel like it's a generational thing. Like, I can't imagine Beavis and Butthead being something that young people now would be like, this is hilarious. But I think it speaks <laughs> to a certain experience from a certain age yep. in the past. But um, maybe it was all the music licensing because they used a ton of music in there like because that's part of the thing was you know they were the forefront of that mtv generation Mm -hmm. and so it's like uh they had like a white zombie song in there rob zombie's band before he went solo i know they had like a bunch of metal acts so they probably had to pay a bit for the licensing fees um i didn't know that about rob zombie and it was called white zombie so he went from white zombie to rob zombie yes i never knew that yep he was his band was white zombie named after the uh it used to be obscure. Now it's like a cult classic um, Bella Lugosi movie from the 30s. Um, and then he started using the stage name because his name, of course, is Robert. But uh, he, he they started in the New York like punk rock scene and everyone just started calling him, hey, you're Rob Zombie. 
because of his band. So he just took that as a stage name and the rest is history. That's a good name. Mm -hmm. It works. What other news or views do you have? Um, I think we covered it all. I felt like I had one more thing, but I have now forgot it. So, (laughs) well, it was a lot. I watched more this week than I've watched in a long time, especially like, I mean, one night I watched because Joe was out for dinner and then came home and like started reading in his room. And Mm -hmm. I think I watched like six episodes of the Midnight Club in like one night. (laughs) Like I just kept going, which is such a fun feeling. And that's when you get like really invested. I think that's when I cried, you Mm -hmm. know, like it's just like you're just so into it. And yeah, it's really good. It kind of makes me want to like read the book, but I, I imagine it's a wholly different thing. I think just the overall overarching yeah. thing is the same, but I think even as it sort of digs deeper in its mythology is probably all new stuff. But yeah, but I like that. I've uh, there's like TV shows I should be watching, but I've thrown everything aside because I get obsessed at this point in the year, especially to be like, I got to watch horror movies just until yeah. Halloween. Our holiest of holy days is coming and uh gotta gotta get it all in before it's over yeah i gotta stick it in yeah i am to the point though where like everything everywhere all at once was kind of a nice break because i kind of hit a point where i'm like i've been watching so many horror movies i feel like i should watch something that's not uh uh like one of the halloween series or whatever monster movie so oh i have a quick corrections corner yeah so anyone who downloaded our episode right away yesterday has a fun little (laughs) Fun little, um, not an Easter egg, whatever. I, I fucked up. <laughs> like oh, no. at this part, which is why I made me think of it. At this part of the podcast in our last episode, I have a random scare of approval sound effect that just pops in over us. Scare so, of approval. But Oops. I fixed it. So if you're downloading the episode later, you won't hear it. But if someone did hear that, just know you're one of the few, the proud, the Marines. So cool. <laughs> like I'm listening and all of a sudden I'm like, oh my God, what did I do? Scare of approval. Approval, just randomly. We just start throwing them in there. We're gonna start remixing our episodes. We're just like scoot, 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 scare of approval. All right. Well, now I assign you a film you've not seen, and vice versa. Yeah, that's that's the gist of it. And this film is brand new to streaming as Ooh. of yesterday. Cool, 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 even cool. today. And it is a bookend to exactly what I gave you last year on this episode. Whoa. Do you know what that is? No. Terrifier 2. <gasps> awesome. <laughs> awesome, awesome, awesome. I think it just came out like today. So, to streaming? Okay, yeah. awesome. It's on my secret site, so you can watch it there. Terrifier 2, baby. What I'm do you excited. know about it? Uh, I know that it's awesome. That's <laughs> why so I don't want to say much about it. Yep, everybody says it is so good. Uh, I freaking loved Terrifier. Well, Maybe that's very strong, but I very much enjoy Terrifier 1. Uh, and I bet you this one, 2 is just as divisive, probably, because 1 was, I, I've run into plenty of people that were like, it was too much, but they're not into 1. And I'm like, I loved it for what it was, just a back-to-bloody-basic slasher movie. Um, I've heard 2 is that and more, like especially with that two-and-a-half-hour runtime, practically. I hear it's got like a lot of mythology he throws in there. It feels like... Feels like the dude created an entire slasher series and put it into one movie. So I'm excited to see it. I'm excited for you to see it. I'm excited to watch it again for sure, which is awesome. kind of a shock. And then we can dive into a little bit more of what Teacher Drew said about it. Okay. Because I okay. want to circle back to that. Yeah. Um, and I don't know what I'm going to give you. I want to give you 
this is tough. I have a couple things spinning in my brain right now, so I'm not sure what I'm about to say or at this moment, but I wanted to do something that's spooky enough for the season, perfect for this time of year. So I've been thinking about this one. Um, it's from a genre that uh, we don't, we haven't really talked about too much, I don't think. Um, and the only thing I'll tell you is that it stars my guy, Mr. Vincent Price. It's mm. called The Witchfinder General. Oh. <sighs> There's something from this that we've talked about. Like something came from it, like a sound bite or something. Mm -hmm. We've definitely talked about. I'm going to say that it's about a witch hunter. It's what is it called? The Witch Finder General? The Witch Finder General. And it's some, okay. sometimes known by the title The Conqueror Worm. Weird. I'm going to say it's about witches to some degree. So that's what I'm going with. Um, Vincent Price is a witch hunter. There is someone putting curses on people or land. Um, and, mm -hmm. you know, someone hires him to come in and find out who the witches are i mean i love a good witch hunt like the crucible like i love the crucible although it's so long and boring but like overall i love the story um yeah. I, i'm a big big fan of witches although i don't watch a lot of that so that's why i feel like that's what it's about because we don't talk about witches a whole lot because there's not two there's not a whole lot of great witches. witch movies but yeah i'm like you too i love a good i i took a class in college <gasps> called the history of witches and witchcraft oh my god that is fucking awesome which is one of the best classes i ever took like those higher education it was awesome uh <sighs> and we went in depth on the salem witch trials of course that was the big case study and then there was also a string before the salem witch trials uh in the colonies in europe there was a string of um witch and werewolf trials actually throughout wow. europe yeah, so we learned all about that stuff. We learned about black magic versus white magic and the history of like folk magic. It was an incredible class. So awesome. and I still talk about it and reference it to this day because I'm a weirdo. When people say something, I'm like, well, actually about witches, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's fun. And you know what? Um, if people out there are RuPaul fans, Ginger Minge is like a big RuPaul drag queen. And she was at our show last night at Misery. It was very exciting. I think it's yeah, I saw the your Facebook post and it was like we've ever had. So she um, <laughs> just randomly there, huh? Well, she is on tour right now with this Hocus Pocus show. Oh, and, okay. Um, one of Susie, who plays Annie, one of her friends from college is in this Hocus Pocus tour, mm -hmm. and so they're coming through and they had like a night off. They're doing the show in Royal Oak, and um, he was like, "We're gonna come to your show," but like we didn't know what that meant. And then like a Gingerman like gets out of this car in the back i like open the door for them i'm like hey are you guys here for the show like trying to like keep my composure um but i got a picture of of her holding i mean of course he was out of drag but i got oh, a picture okay. of him holding like the, the sledgehammer with Susie. so that was fun i'm gonna post awesome. on social media that's today. what i was gonna ask was it in the persona or was it no out like of out of drag but okay. i have a bigger celebrity coming to the show tonight who is that you oh <laughs> <laughs> I am coming. Yeah, you are. And I'm excited. I'm very excited for Well, awesome. Well, I will this. see you this evening. And everybody else, stick around. In moments, we will be talking about these films. Yeah. Sid, don't you blame the movies. Movies don't create psychos. Movies make psychos more creative. <laughs>
Okay, it's movie reviewing, talking, <laughs> chatting time. It's movie chat. Movie chat time. <laughs> I like that. I can get down with that. Jeremy, it's almost Halloween. I'm so excited. Uh, yeah, it's coming. It's coming. Do you have big plans? Um, I have a show on Halloween proper. Oh. So, you know, closing out Halloween. <laughs> yeah, with, I guess closing out the show with, with misery. misery. Yeah. yeah, that's it's appropriate. Seasonally you know, appropriate. Who's going to be there? Who's going to be at the closing? Friend of the podcast, Nico. Oh, cool. And his whole family. And I'm so excited. Wow. Uh, what about you? Do you have big plans? Nope. Just passing out candy, probably. Oh, sweet. We got some trick-or-treaters in the neighborhood, or at least... We did last year, uh, so uh, I will uh, have to be ready. You do live in suburbia. That's right. All right, well, let's dive into our movies. I get us started here with Terrifier 2 from 2022. That's a lot of twos in one place. That is a lot of twos. And it is directed, (laughs) written, and edited by Damien Leone. Leone? Don't, don't forget makeup effects, too. Oh, I didn't see that. And makeup effects. Thank you, yeah, Jeremy. I noticed that in the credits at the end of the movie where it said special makeup effects or however they credited that to him as well. So, And the tagline is, who's laughing now? And <laughs> the summary from IMDb, which is more succinct. After being resurrected by a sinister entity, Art the Clown returns to the timid town of Miles County, where he targets a teenage girl and her younger brother on Halloween night. After being resurrected by a sinister entity, entity, I don't remember how he got brought back to life at the end of the last one. Didn't he just come back to life? Yeah, he just came back to life. Well, no, I guess I that's think, sinister. Well, I think the sinister entity in question is that new character. Got it. Okay. That's that's how I read that. Was okay. That's what she somehow she is uh, connected to that. Okay. Well, I'm glad I gave this to you, Jeremy, because I just watched it in theaters, but then it just came out on streaming. So tell me, what did you think? It rocked. <laughs> okay. Let's move on to Witchfinder General. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, well, I loved the first Terrifier, and this was even better than the first one. So. Um, and I know I said this in the first half, but here's some new information. Since we recorded the first half, I have now started reading the Halloween Ends novelization. Oh, you have? I've started it, so I'm into it. Um, and it's the same story, except that there is all this material so far that's a subplot for Michael Myers, like explaining what he's been up to since kills and ends. And and it would have been such a better movie if that was in the movie. Uh, mm. And that's what I kept thinking watching this. Terrifier 2 uh, is what Halloween ends should have been. Like they should have gone for epic because it was supposed to close out, you know, the entire like saga. It should have focused way more on Michael Myers. Like they could have kept what they already had, but had they had that whole subplot you know, the arc for Michael Myers, I think it would have been a much better movie, but instead they cut a bunch of stuff and kept the stuff that wasn't necessarily the strongest part of the story. Yeah. So so for anyone who hasn't seen either of these films, I mean, it really is just a very sort of run of the mill sort of slasher setup, killer clown, 
mm-hmm. people in peril on Halloween night, which is why I gave this to Jeremy last Halloween, the first part, and why I gave him this part, because it is a year later on Halloween as well. And unlike some of the films we talked about and like the last one, there actually are trick-or-treaters and things here. So Halloween uh-huh. is happening. Yeah, people Halloween is happening. People are partying. The only really weird thing is that, that like that costume shop on Halloween afternoon is not packed. Yeah, exactly. That's what I thought, too. I'm like, there's nobody there at a and if you look, it says NYC. They're in New York City is where that store is. Uh, So that should be crazy on Halloween. So I don't know exactly who she is, but I did wonder because Felissa Rose, I think that's how you say her name from Sleepaway Camp is like the principal or a teacher at the school. So she has a little cameo. And when a woman came to the costume shop with her son. I thought she looks familiar. I looked her up and she's in Halloween five. I don't know who she is, but she's in it regardless. I was like, Oh, maybe another little cameo. I didn't realize, recognize the character she played, but yes. So run of the mill slashers, really the first one more so than this one. This one adds some new elements to it. Yeah. This one builds mythology, which is a clown killing people to a crazy, insane degree. Yeah, the gore. This is for gore hounds. Like if you if you like just crazy old school. Um, the only thing I can compare Terrifier to, I think, in recent memory is the Hatchet series. Like it's got a similar attitude and style. So if you're into that, you're going to be into Ter- Terrifier for sure. Yes. And our friends over It's Only a Podcast just dropped an episode called The 50 Scariest Faces in Movies. Mm-hmm. And... Um, spoiler alert, Art the Clown is on there. He's not the only clown, by the way. Mm. But um, neither of them have even seen either of the films. But, like, he's that scary. Because, <laughs> like... They haven't watched them? No, I know. I think they're 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 talking. I mean, by the time this comes... You know what? They're talking about should they do it for their, like, next episode. It was like that or pray the devil, pray to the devil or whatever. I'm like, please don't watch that. It looks like such a piece of shit. Yeah, just do Terrifier. Just do Terrifier too. okay? Yeah. Like, even if they haven't watched the first one, I'm like, you don't really need to know much, although no. you'll be a little confused by this and that, but, like, who yeah. cares? It's not detrimental to the story. No. But, I mean, Art the Clown is fucking scary. He is so creepy looking, and, oh, my God, that fucking actor is so, so good. Mm-hmm. David Howard Thornton. So in, fucking good. He's incredible. There, there was a scene in here, uh, and I think it was just some of the best stuff was in the costume shop. Uh, yes, with the glasses. Just, yep, when he's just being creepy and weird. But it got me thinking, like, all he is doing is the kind of shit that they do in Looney Tunes, like all of the behavior and stuff. And then I was sitting there like, so is Bugs Bunny a psychopath? <laughs> like, because if you took Bugs Bunny or Daffy Duck and just dropped them into one of these types of movies with the same behaviors, but in a real world setting, they're just, yeah, they're just horror movie villains. Like they are just horrible maniacs running amok. So it's, I don't know. And I thought that's, here's the thing. that's a great way to personify this clown character a hundred percent and i feel like something to that might because like I'll, I'll watch but like i won't like nihilistic sort of horror films like ones that are just like oh god that's like just like depravity upon depravity like mm-hmm. just like but and that's pretty much what these are the first one more so than this one yeah uh, maybe not like this one just has a little bit more of like a hero heroin sort of vibe to it like 
But there, I think that there's that thing of him almost always playing the opposition. Like he's almost always smiling, even though he has that creepy, disgusting smile. Mm-hmm. But like he's always playing it. Not always. More often than not, he's not playing it like I'm evil. And he's doing it in this lighthearted way that just makes it a creepier and b somehow easier for me to like enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. He has so much personality. Like this is why he's a throwback, uh, I think, or not even throwback, but a new like iteration of the Freddy Krueger, Jason, Michael, those characters have... Oh, I mean, like Michael and Jason don't really much like art don't talk, but they have enough personality in the movies they've been in. They exude enough uh, ambiance and personality that you can connect to them. And I think that's like what a lot of these slasher franchises, that's who people connect with over time, especially as sequels keep going. Like you're actually there for Jason, not any of the victims. And art, I think, is turning into a similar thing. And there's so many creepy clowns because so many people are scared of clowns. But somehow, even in the wake of the new It films, a new creepy clown has emerged that is, like you said, sort of like in the forefront of these new horror villain icons. Definitely, definitely. I thought uh, his little buddy in this was scarier, though. Her face. Oh, my God. The pale girl. The pale girl. When her eyes would glow. That's what got me. I don't so like that's creepy. an okay. That's yet another. I know we talk about this like really niche weird horror movie things. Glowing yes. eyes freak me the fuck out, and I don't know why, but I'm really scared of glowing eyes. In did like, you the watch darkness. Bly Manor? No. Oh, okay, there's a thing with glowing eyes in it that I found really creepy. It gave me a jolt a time or two, and I was just curious if you had watched it. I liked no. Bly Manor, but it's slow. I think, and now that I say it, I think it's Amityville horror. That's like the earliest, you know, movie. With like I Jody can, the Pig? Yeah, that's the earliest movie I can think of with glowing eyes that I would have seen. And I think it's stuck with me ever since. That's one of the, I mean, the remake all around was horrible, except for Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, Ryan Reynolds. Oh my God, he was so fucking hot in that movie. But little Abigail Breslin, not Abigail Breslin, um, Chloe Moretz. Yeah. She's so tiny in that movie. But I hated that they made Jody the Pig like an imaginary little girl. Like, A creepy pig is so much more disturbing. Yeah, exactly. An imaginary animal, a ghost animal, actually, because in the original, you saw the eyes, so you knew it was there. (laughs) So, And you may know more about this, but didn't they film Terrifier 2? Like, wasn't it mostly done pre-pandemic? I think so. I think it was mostly done. And the original was in 2016. So, like, they took some time away. And Mm -hmm. I mean, just hearing about how this is done in the theaters is just so amazing. It just has been blowing up. The thing, too, is because people are apparently throwing up and so freak grossed out by it. But I I don't know. I didn't think anything in this was particularly that upsetting. You know what I mean? Like, it's gross gags. With Allie is pretty horrifying. Yeah, but I think part of it is the we'll get into it more in the second movie. But this I feel like this is so obviously a fictional world. Like, it's so fake. You know what I mean? Like, it's like a wink and a nod to the horror fans of like, look at these gags uh, that we're doing. Like, I think you're kind of supposed to be in on the fun. Like, the movie is kind of winking at you as a fan, uh, especially with art and his, you know, goofiness and his antics. They're dark, but there is funniness to him, like a very dark humor to him. So uh, I think that kind of softens the blow. Yeah, my friend. At least for me. 
my friend that I saw this with in the theater hadn't seen the first one. And he was like, like at the end, I was like, so what'd you think? He's like, uh, and he just had, had this face. He's like, what'd you think? I'm like, I like that. He's like, you like that? <laughs> I was like, yeah, but he just like laughed at it the whole time. And not like in the way that we did where like art's amusing, but it's more like, what the fuck is oh, Okay. Yeah. This was, you got to, you have to be a sort certain type of sick puppy. Oh, to yeah. like this for sure. But yeah, I just had immense the An immense amount of so good too. fun with it. Yeah, it's just so, so awesome. Okay, so let's dive into people's major issues with it, because I've heard two. So that's pretty much all general stuff we talked about, but I would like to get a little bit more, you know, before we get spoilery, let's talk other performances and then we'll get spoilery. I love the lead girl here. I love Sienna. I think she is a badass. Her little brother's annoying, but you don't have to deal with him much. See, uh, I do want to interject, though. I know him. What? Like, not personally, but I've known. (laughs) No, 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 not personally, but I've known of him. It almost feels like I know him personally because he was a YouTube star, like, before this. Yes, he... Uh, it was like run by him and his his parents helping, of course, because since he was a little kid, he had a YouTube channel called Little Punk People. What? Uh, and as a kid, he would interview like metal and punk rock musicians. That uh, is so bizarre. I would never imagine that looking at him. No, yeah, but that's like, yeah, as as like he was literally like probably like eight or nine or something when he started doing it. And like his parents, I don't know too much about his parents, but I think they had some inroads into like the punk and metal world. So he would interview and there's some horror icons in there too. But now as he grows up, he's becoming looking to become an actor, it seems so. Interesting. And I loved her friend, Brooke. Like I want to see that girl in everything. I just think she's Mm -hmm. so, I just loved her. I could watch her all the time. Um, I, I think the whole scene on Molly feels very accurate, aside from like seeing things, but also there's like another layer to that. It's not like the drugs are making her do that. Like she's yeah, never seen she, a pale girl before. It's more like the mythology of the story. Or yeah, whatever. she's having she's having visions. Yeah. But like the whole rest of the Molly experience is so accurate, <laughs> unlike some movies. And I love that she's like, never call your mom on Molly. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I think the acting is much better than in the first one. Mm -hmm. And I think that along with like the extra characterization, which might have something to do with the runtime, I think really makes this feel like a better film to me. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, speaking of performances and a cameo, I have to shout out because these are the cameos I particularly love. At the very end, the mid-credits, Chris Jericho. Pro wrestler. I saw him and I was like, I knew, Chris Jericho, what are you doing in here? I so thought he awesome. looked like a wrestler. Yeah, he he is. I don't know if he still wrestles, but, but at least he was, you know, a, a uh, pretty successful pro wrestler back in the day. So it's also amusing early on when they're at the dinner table talking about the little the little brother dressing up like Art the Clown. And they're like, you don't see people dressing up like Jeffrey Dahmer. But like, uh, that is- You're like going such- to this year. <laughs> Which I know so many people, it's just been so interesting, the response to the Dahmer series on social media. Some people are so disgusted by it mm-hmm. and so gross out that people are talking about it, etc. 
And, you know, I guess I could get it. I, I mean, anyone's fine and right, correct in their feelings for it. But, like, I just don't have that sort of gut reaction of, like, how could you make a TV show about this? How could you watch this? Like, I don't have that. And if someone wanted to dress up like Jeffrey Dahmer, I might think they're a little bit sick. But, like, I'm not going to think it's, like, bad taste or how how dare you? Mm-hmm. It's just, But there are – I've seen plenty of my friends who feel very much like that. Mm-hmm. I, and I know a big thing is people's feelings are that it's disrespectful to the victims or it cuts the victims, you know, out of the story. But um, I don't know. I'm, I myself am fascinated by serial killers. I, I, I'm that like that uh, that hipster fan of true crime where I'm like, I was into it before it was a bit like <laughs> ever since I was a weird little kid and first started learning about like Jack the Ripper. I've been, you know, into true crime to a degree and um it's just a world that's been around for a very long time people are always interested in the morbid detail you can go back to the 1800s and people were interested in the morbid details of like crimes and murders how do you think like billy the kid and guys like that in the old west who were just murderers they were just killers like running on the loose like but they all became like american folk heroes essentially from right their exploits over time and it's just Americans are just obsessed with violence. Like that's really what it is. And we're always acts to some degree. I'm generalizing, of course, you know, just the public taste is interested in the morbid details of things. So yeah, it's always been you, there and it's always going to be there. I think people upset about it, be upset, but I don't think it'll ever go away. Yeah. But also I would be like, if you're not into it and if you don't like it and if it grosses you out, then just don't. But like, I, I also don't, mm-hmm. it's almost feels, I mean, I know it's not the same thing, but it's almost like slut shaming. Like, it's like, if that fascinates you and if you're into that, like, so be it. Like, mm-hmm. but I don't need someone on social media telling me how wrong I am for yeah, don't read about the, Do- the Dahmer series. Or yeah, the series. Yeah, exactly. So it, it, it's an interesting thing it's a little different than like you know most horror movies because it actually happened but yeah um which we'll get into more in the second movie but um yeah but let's talk a little spoilery here okay so the main two gripes as i was saying before that i've heard about this are a the length Mm -hmm. and b the extra elements that are in this that are not in the first one a la sort of the supernatural elements aside from him just sort of being you know unkillable or whatever but Mm -hmm. like with her and her dad that sort of storyline did you ever think the art was going to be did i already say spoilers spoilers (laughs) did you ever think that art was going to turn up to be her dad for a second for like a split second but i don't know i 100 percent thought that's where it was going i'm fine that it didn't but i just was convinced that that's what was going to happen i thought so when they were like looking at the sketchbook for a second i thought that that's maybe what the plot point was going to be. But then I remembered some, they said something about her dad being like having visions or something like she was. Uh, So I was like, Oh no, 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 that's not what they're saying. They're saying that he, he knew of art from seeing it or experiencing it or something like that. So what were your thoughts on like the added mythology and supernatural things and the length? I thought, uh, well, in the, the first one, there already was elements of like the supernatural to him i feel like especially at the end because i had to go back and reread i kind of didn't totally remember but it's like yeah okay spoilers for the first movie now people he shoots himself at the end and then comes back to life so obviously that's 
You know? I think it's less with him though, because I think that sort of goes without saying that he has these like he's gonna die and come back and die and come back. I think it's more so with like her with oh, like I, the lead girl and having these things. I'm like, fine with it. I think it I think it makes an interesting um world they're building out, especially like I feel like they didn't reveal enough. I feel like it's tantalizing threads that are left, you know, open to inter- uh interpretation. So I hope they keep it that way if they keep going forward with it uh and the length i thought it totally earned its length i was never bored even though it was like a two and a half hour movie i was never bored by it so who cares if it's long yeah i mean and there is something to the fact that he edited it you're like of course you know if you're editing your own movie you're gonna be like nope nope this is this got has to stay this needs to stay etc but mm-hmm. like watching it the second time i'm like okay towards the end like Everything in that funhouse doesn't need to take like 45 minutes. But the first time I didn't feel that way at all. But the second time I'm like, okay, we could cut this. We don't necessarily need the clown cafe, even though it's amusing. And there's like a pilot watching and like a flight attendant. Like, it's like, what is happening here? That is one of my favorite art character moments, though, is in the clown cafe sequence where he shows up and then he goes up to the different people and starts pulling things out of the bag where I'm like, (laughs) Oh God, he's just going to start killing them. But he starts giving people like food and like fun shit is happening until the end. Then he pulls out a machine gun and just shoots everybody as if he had like gotten bored. And I I don't know the way that the actor that plays art played that scene. I'm like, that was incredible. Like that was a very, um, this guy should play the Joker in a Batman movie or something (laughs) like that. Like, I think that would be awesome. Yeah, but I think the runtime is, I mean, you're there's so few times, if ever, that there has been a slasher, like a straight up just bloody slasher like this that's over two hours. Yeah. No less, almost two and a half. My my immediate comparison right now is to I just rewatched Rob Zombie's Halloweens. Okay. Um, and both of those are like two hour movies and they neither of them need to be as long as they are. Like right. there's so much that could be cut from those. Because they just have a lot of extra shit that doesn't keep serve the plot. It's just a lot of extra like kill moments or quirky characters that are just there to die. Uh, and a lot of it, you know, they, they should be much shorter. Whereas this feels like everything was necessary. Like I couldn't tell you what I think should be cut because everything adds to the story. There's just so many good set pieces. That's what like really sells the ending. It's not just like, oh, you're in a fun house. Then you're in this like weird basement that she gets like knocked into. That's just like gorgeous and like so mm-hmm. interesting. And, like, what is this layer? And then she gets knocked into this water tank. And it's just like one cool set piece after another. It just keeps building. And it's like, this mm-hmm. is fucking awesome. Yeah, it's just it's very cool. Yeah, I I thoroughly just think it is a good time. It is, I know a friend who, I mean, I've never met him, but we're Facebook friends and he reviews every, every, everything that comes out, it seems. And I was, he's like, I'm reviewing Terrifier 2 tomorrow morning. And I was like, couldn't wait. D minus. He just thought it was like the biggest piece of shit ever. (laughs) Well, I mean, lots of people I think would feel that way, but I, and he loves horror. Like he loves horror movies, but like, it's definitely for a specific type of person. And some people are just wrong. So, you know, <laughs> I can I can live with that because this was awesome. So, yeah, I think it is just a ton of fun and I want more. Yeah. Give and there is a Terrifier 3 in the works, he says. Uh, and I also read that he said he's got enough material to, material to possibly warrant Terrifier 4 if there's demand. So, yes, yes, yes. Please, please, please. 
And I think I read that, like, his initial idea for a Terrifier movie was an angel fighting Art the Clown. And that's sort of what this is. And more, more to come. I feel like it's setting up future, future. Because I, what I was reading too is that she is going to be like the Ahab uh, to Art going forward. Like she would be in the next movie as the hero. So I hope that's the case. Yeah, because I, the the gal in the last one who ends up at the end here, and you're just like, what the fuck? That ending is just so fucking bizarre. It's mm-hmm. just like what? Mm-hmm. But I also appreciate how batshit crazy it is. Yeah, and I feel like it's going to be explored more in the next one, like more art mythology, probably. Yeah, but I'm like totally okay that it's like, that doesn't make any sense. I don't think they had sex. Like, why would she have his head? Yep. She wasn't pregnant. All of a sudden she was. Yeah, it's some <laughs> supernatural weird shit that we're going to learn more about in the next one, I bet. But yeah, I'm there for it. I absolutely am there for it. Hell yeah. All right, well, out of five bloody swords how many do you give terrifier two and i give it a four i'm gonna give it a four two awesome that's a scare of approval yeah it is yep we did it sweet one so glad you liked it i loved it i i i i I I think I added the the Blu-ray to my uh, Amazon wish list. In fact, as I was watching oh it, because I was like, I would want to own this. Hopefully, the Blu-ray has cool extra shit on it. Because that's yeah, you know, that's why one would buy physical media these days. Give me some cool supplements. That's right. All right, so we're moving on to my pick, Witch Finder General, sometimes known as the Conqueror Worm, and we can get into that. In yes, a moment. please. Uh, and so the tagline is. He'll hang, burn, and mutilate you. He's the Witchfinder General. And the dis- <laughs> the plot description is, so strap in. This is a long one, but I am going to read it because I think it contextualizes the movie. England, 1645. The cruel civil war between royalists and parliamentarians that is ravaging the country causes an era of chaos and legal arbitrariness that allows unscrupulous men to profit by exploiting the absurd superstitions of the peasants. Like Matthew Hopkins, a monster disguised as a man who wanders from town to town offering his services as a witch hunter. Yeah. All right. What did you think? It was so much more brutal than I thought it was going to be. Oh, like, good Lord. Yes. Oh, my God. Like, I was like, oh, shit. And when was this made? The 60s? Yeah. 68. That's crazy. Yeah. This, th- that's the thing I wanted to get into, too. This movie made me more uncomfortable than Terrifier 2 did. Uh, and I think it's because this actually happened. Like, this is just, this is more just a historical drama. Um, but it is horrific in the details. Yeah, especially that woman getting burned. Mm-hmm. That, is that was wild. Horrifying. Yeah. But I've, it made me realize why I can't take Vincent Price seriously. Oh, yeah? Because he reminds me of Corky St. Clair from Waiting for Guffman. Oh, wow. Have I've you never... seen Waiting for Guffman? Oh, I have. I would never make oh, that my God. comparison. It's, it always feels like Corky St. Clair playing whatever. Uh-huh. Like, just the way he talks and everything, it just feels so much like that. Like, Gorky St. Clair wearing a wig, trying mm-hmm. to be whatever. Like, that's, it just hit me. I'm like, oh, that's why every time Vincent Price is on, I'm always like, why can't I take him seriously? Mm-hmm. And that's why. And I'm not saying he's not good. He is, he's a fine actor. But I just can't buy into him 100%. Mm-hmm. But I do, I did really like this movie. And I I mean, I was surprised by how brutal it was. I totally thought there was going to be 
a supernatural element. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not getting into spoilers. Maybe there is. Maybe there isn't. I don't know. I'll talk about that later. But yeah. um, <laughs> but I just didn't know what to expect. I mean, I did expect witches. And, you know, we talked sort of about the Crucible. And it very much is the mm-hmm. Crucible. But with, as opposed to, you know, uh, people accusing people in the town. It's like this person whose job it is to go around, like, taking care of the witches. Yeah, allegedly. Allegedly, because apparently, when you read about the real the real Matthew Hopkins, um, he the Wikipedia article like the first line is just Matthew Hopkins was an English serial killer during the English because he was not actually ordained by any authority. Wow, he just did it. Like wow. he found that he discovered that as a con to make money and went from town to town, using of course the chaos of the English Civil War that was raging at the time that. Uh, governmental, you know, authority was a little bit uh, uh, tenuous at that time. So he would just claim like, oh, yeah, they sent me. Parliament sent me. Wow. Even though that's it wasn't the case. He just made that up and teamed up with uh, that stern fella also was a real person. And they just went around. That's how they made money, accusing people oh of being witches and killing them. And the town would pay them for it. And he talk about a character that's stern. My mm-hmm. goodness. He's very scary. Yeah. And it's... Uh, Wow. The thing that's always disturbed me about the witch hunts are those like impossible tests. Like if you died, yes. oh, you weren't a witch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but if you live, you are a witch. Yeah. <laughs> like the, it's, they're the worst. It's yeah, the point, so the, point, up. the point of them was just to kill people. Oh, uh, that was it. Like, because clearly uh, after the fact, so many historians and psychologists and stuff can look at it. And it was more like, I think the people doing these tests, we would refer to them as like psychopathic killers. Nowadays, they just found a way to indulge that because they never meant to not kill and torture people. That's what they got their kicks from. So, yeah. And to see like the children looking on as these things happen, that was fucked Mm -hmm. up. Yeah. That's really fucked up. Yeah, that's I mean, this movie is just brutal. Uh, and I re- I realized I like I remembered certain scenes from it. Like I've only seen this once before many years ago. Um, and I only remembered like certain scenes. So rewatching it, I was like, this is way heavier than I seem to remember it being like way darker, way more twisted. And it's just not happy. <laughs> like nothing, you know, it's it's a, speaking of nihilistic. This is a pretty nihilistic movie. Yeah. Yeah, it really, really is. It also kind of reminded me of The Lottery, which I love so much, that book, mm-hmm. or that short story. Yes, it's just so yeah. fucked up. And I think it's like the kids looking on as it's like happening. Like mm-hmm. just that that sense. I also really liked, because I, I liked that the character Sarah did what she needed to do to like protect herself. Yes. Like if she had to sleep with someone, she would do it. Because I feel if... I was in that situation, or if I knew someone in a situation like that, I would be like, do what you need to do to live. And mm-hmm. if that involves sleeping with some guy and that will make him think you're not a witch and you're going to get saved, I would fucking do that. Like a hundred percent. What I really liked though, is that when her fiance, yeah, when he finds out, he does not slut shame her at all. There is yeah. no, he, like, if anything, I feel he just he feels for her and he's like, I can't believe you had to go through that. But in so many other films of like this time, it just seems like he would have hit her or like, absolutely. Like said, she's a witch and thrown her out into the Yeah, They would have been like, you're impure now, but instead he was just like, 
well, I'm going to do a, my own makeshift ceremony to marry you. Yeah. And then I'm, then I'm going to go after these guys and kill them. Yeah. I was like, what a guy. Yeah. And he was like, <laughs> he was loaded for bear. He was ready. I don't understand how she got to that second town. Like, did they show that? Or all of a sudden was she just at this second town? I think it was just kind of like, it was one of those like dialogue things, like a quick exchange. Okay. Where he was like, you go to this place. And he didn't realize they were going to that same like town and then figured it out. So got it. Okay. Yeah. But and I just, I really thought it was going to be tame and mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, wow, this is a little intense and it's nice and short. I mean, it's like an hour shorter than Terrifier 2. <laughs> yes. And th- th- this movie, speaking of uh, the brutality of it, this was like a firestorm when it came out. Really? Yeah, when it originally came out, like critics and stuff were like, this is filth. This is horrible. Like, why would people want to see this? So, well, that makes sense. Yeah. And, um, and then Vincent Price himself, too, I'd read before that he was not fond of this movie, like, because oh. the role, it was so dark that he actually said he had regretted doing this one after the fact. So, what I'll say, and I mean, whatever, spoilers, what, whatevs, but like, I w- was hoping there almost was going to be a supernatural element, not like they were witches all along, but that they turned to witchcraft to get revenge or something. Like, I thought, mm-hmm. especially seeing it was based on Edgar Allan Poe, I thought that's where it was going to end up. Yeah, which it actually isn't. The Edgar Allan Poe connection, that's where the name The Conqueror Worm comes from. Okay. So this was made in England by like a small English uh studio uh and when it got distributed when it ended up in america it was picked up by roger corman to distribute uh and since it had vincent price who was a regular of his poe movies he tried to superficially connect it to his edgar Allan poe movies he had directed so what they did is there is a um edgar Allan poe poem called the conqueror worm which is just about death because, you know, worms eat us all. So that's why it's the conqueror worm. But okay. uh, they added bookends to it for the American release of Vincent Price reciting passages from that poem at the beginning and at the end. Uh, so that's it. That's the Poe connection. The rest of it uh. is just, it's, it's, it's actually based on a book. And that book is a historical novel about Matthew Hopkins. So that's, uh, it, it's mostly just a historical story. But I I like that idea that I had in my head of someone mm-hmm. who is innocent being accused of witchcraft and then through X, Y, Z, turning to witchcraft to seek revenge. I'm like, that's, that's, a, I like that idea. It would be cool. <laughs> but I do love at the end here, they just fucking are, go crazy. Yes. Like they both just lost their minds. Cause I'm like, I don't know what to make of this ending. Uh-huh. And then I do a little digging and I'm like, oh, well that makes sense. They just sort of lost their minds. Yep. And yeah, yeah, it's good. And it, it's, it's fun. It's like fun revisionist history. Cause the real Matthew Hopkins never got any comeuppance. He died of tuberculosis just alone in some, you know, in his home. Uh, Granted, I would say of old age, but no, actually, I think he was under the age of 30 by the time he died. Still, yeah, because, you know, 1600s England, not the greatest uh, healthcare network at the time. So, yeah, but yeah, ever since his death, though, there had been like legends. And I think it was just people um, wanting, you know, a better reality for this guy that did all this horrible shit after the fact, because there's all these stories that he was killed. He was accused of being a witch himself and killed in one of his own like tests or something. But that's all just okay. folk. That's all folklore as far as historians know. So, OK. Yeah, it is. Um, I just kept thinking, wow, I can't imagine this back then. 
now it feels a little still extreme. brutal and this yeah. is also like ground zero for folk horror as we know it as a genre like everyone says this movie is the prototype oh this, really yeah the, this movie and then the next year the same production company released a flick called the blood on satan's claw yeah. which is another like witchcraft witch trial movie set in england Okay. Um, that they say those are like uh, that. Those two with the Wicker Man, the original Wicker Man, boom, folk horror is now a subgenre. Yeah, I should probably go back and watch that documentary. I tried, and I was just kind of like, eh, I'm bored. Mm-hmm. I mean, but... folk, folk horror is a very unique subgenre. You know, it's uh, it's not very flashy and crazy and action packed necessarily. So yeah. Anything else to add? I don't think so. All right. So out of um out of five um pricks to the back to find the mark of Satan, uh how many do you give Witchfinder General? I'm gonna just copy myself and go with another four. Wow, another four. I went, I'm gonna go three and a half for this oh, one. Oh uh, yeah. I see I was gonna do three and a half, and as we talked, I'm just like, oh, I'm gonna go up to a four. So yeah. that's what I did. It's a good movie. It's a hard watch for sure. Yeah. Uh, but I prepared. appreciate that it was short. Yeah, it but it back. is, yeah, it is mercifully short. So yes. Um tight plotting, so you get through it real quick. But another scare of approval. That's right, Bish. Yeah, as we start to finish out this spooky season. Yes, and then just continue on with spookiness all year round. That's right. We can we, we continue, for. but specifically, it's almost the end. Yep. And if you want to write to us, scaringasharing at gmail.com or follow us on Insta, scaringasharing. Yeah, uh, message us. Tell us what you think. What what do you all think of these movies? What do you want us to cover? Do you have questions? Anything? Anything? Yeah, anything at all. Dick pics. No, don't send us dick pics. No, not dick pics. But... <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, um, you know what? Evil dies tonight. And re- remember, guys, food's a little funny at the Clown Cafe. <laughs> <laughs> and keep watching and talking about scary movies because... Scaring is sharing. Bye. This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast.